We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCready. That is Tyler Siski here on this Thursday afternoon, February the 23rd. Thank you for making us a part of your uh, day, a part of your week. Certainly appreciate that very much. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, the uh, Jacksonville State coach, former, let's see, Michigan, West Virginia, Arizona head coach. Uh, former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, former ULM offensive coordinator. Tulane and Clemson. Tulane and Clemson. He's Glenville been, State, Salem College. Been to a number of places. Yeah. We'll talk to him about, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Yep. From now, we've got it set up. Hopefully, it works. It worked last time with uh, – Oh, we're in, dude. There's no hopeful. We're in. Work we're with, work with our guy, John Summerall at Troy, so hopefully it'll work with uh, Rich Rod here in a little bit. Yeah, so um, Rich Rod's coming in. I had to give a little background uh, story that we probably – we got a bunch of stuff to talk about Rich Rod. Um, but um, so he came up with a nickname. He started calling me El Chapo um, while we were here at Ole Miss. And so I called him Pablo, like Pablo Escobar. Well, the background was is that – so literally his first day well, – not first day, but the first time we went out recruiting after he got here for a couple of weeks, I had – he was going with Matt – and I want to say Derek. I know it was Matt. Matt, Matt Luke. Matt Derek Luke Nicks. and Derek Nix. Mm-hmm. And they were going to go see, because we had all the offensive players committed here in Mississippi, right? So he was basically going plane hopping, uh, seeing everybody. Then he was going to stay out with – the plan was for him to stay out with Derek and go by and see a couple more kids. But Matt was coming back because he was going somewhere else the next day. So I'm on the road. I'm recruiting. And I will never forget, I'm driving to Phoenix City High School. And I'm on, on my way between Auburn and Phoenix City on 431. And he calls me. He's like, hey. He's like, and we'd already had a meeting, the whole deal. He's like, hey. He goes, am I not going back with Matt on the plane? I said, no, you're staying out with Derek. And he's he's pissed because he forgot to pack a bag. He thought he was coming back home, and he didn't have any clothes. <laughs> so 
I think I'll have to ask him, but I, I'm pretty sure that we got somebody to take him clothes down down there, like drive him down, because he was just the first stop was like in, you know, uh, was Central Mississippi somewhere. So I think we got somebody to drive clothes. I can't remember what we did, but uh, so he comes back. He's like, "Damn, man!" He goes, "You're like you're like uh, El Chapo. I just get on a plane, don't know where I'm going." I just I just <laughs> get on a plane and then find out when I hit the ground what airport we're at to go to work. He said, just here, here go. I says, I have no idea where I'm going. So he started calling me El Chapo, and so I started calling Pablo because he was he was the big boss. So started yeah. calling him Pablo. But he's a great dude, man. I'm excited to have him on here. Probably I had him on like two years ago when we first started home visit, and it's one of my favorite interviews. I don't think I've laughed as hard. He's a funny dude. It's, I don't think I've laughed as hard with him. I'm interested to get his thoughts on – how things have changed in his business. Oh, he will tell you. Yeah. He's like, That's another great thing. He, he, Hey, he will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt, but we've talked a little bit, obviously we talk a lot, but, um, he's got some interesting ideas that I agree with. Like I've thought about some things and he, I just like the way he thinks. He's kind of, he's an outside the box guy, but he doesn't just throw them out there. He actually has reason behind them. So I'm excited to get him on, man. And on, on top of that, he is the head, head football coach in my hometown. So, He's a he's a he's a hero right now in Calhoun County, Alabama. Speaking of heroes, uh, rain total body fuel, three hundred milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. They can be your hero. They got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. What uh, you rocking with over here today? I got the uh, got the cherry lime going today. The uh, Old Faithful. Yeah. That's 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 one of the top ones. I'm going. Look here, man. I hit the thermogenic on you today. A little. I know you're not a big watermelon guy, but right. I got the watermelon warlord uh, inferno today. So this stuff hits. This stuff's good, man. I would do the thermogenic before a run, but I just finished a run, and so there's yeah. You don't need to. Do I don't. That. I don't need to do thermogenic now. I'm not working out today. Today is my day off. I've gotten into my routine a little bit, but this has uh, um, boosted your metabolism. Yeah. So it makes me my body think I worked out today anyway. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start doing thermogenics on my day off. That's gonna be my thing. Okay. That makes sense. Try that. But I just know it's hard to tell I'm down ten pounds. So I need to get I got like six more I wanna lose and then I'll start lifting a little harder. So you got you have a you have, have a plan. plan. Yeah. Okay. I, I do the same plan every time and then I'll get bored and I'll start eating again. And then I'll get fat again, and then I'll go back on the plan. I just bad cycle of life. Because the nutrition is the, it is. It's all about nutrition, yeah, right? You you can't, you can't exercise your way out of. If you bad if you, weight, here's what I well here's what I do is if I continue to work out, once I reach my goal, I'll just go back to eating whatever I want to eat, and I'll just maintain. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like yeah. I won't gain or lose. I'll just maintain. But I love to eat, man. I I. I love to eat. So, um, it says the Siski no Jeffrey. I think y'all two plus Jeffrey would be hilarious. Is he talking about Jeffrey Wright? Yeah. Okay. You know, you know I've never, true story, never had a conversation with a guy. Really? I know who he is. Never had a conversation with him for whatever reason. Because he was gone, I guess, when I was here the first, he wasn't here. He wasn't working with you when we were here with Freeze the first time, was he? Or if he was, I didn't um, meet him. At the very end, maybe. I, I just never met him. I know who he is. I listen to him. <laughs> yeah. I think he's great. 
I like him. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Dave at Mach 10 Sports says, <laughs> is that David Hasselhoff or Tyler Siski? Pure steel and sex appeal. Yeah, y'all do look a lot yeah, alike. We're, we're twins. Yeah. You know? yeah. I got a cart. Talks to me, too. So we're good to go. You run up and down the beach in your red suit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't do anything at the beach. I, I, I take the chair, sit my ass in the chair, and I don't, I don't move. I don't move at You're all. You're a beach person? All right, so I'm more of a lake person. Yeah. All right, you promise you won't laugh at me? I mean, I can't promise that I won't laugh at all you, right. but I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll laugh with you. My wife knows exactly where this is going right now. I am terrified, terrified on a high level of sharks. Well, it's understandable. No, like. More than normal. So you don't want to get even two I don't feet get, into the water. I'll get knee deep. And then if my kids are out there, now that's where I, I'll go out there with my kids. If My older ones are on their own now. They're good. They're 16 and 15. They can go do what they want to do. But if my if when they were younger or if my seven-year-old gets in, I kind of have this protective thing where I'll go out with him and I kind of lose a little bit of it. But I'm not uh, – I have a I've, – I've been changed. When I moved to Mobile, okay – and we had a coach with us that worked on our staff named Brett Rutledge. And Brett was a big fisherman, all right? He, and he would, like, commercial fish and all that stuff. His dad, Bob, was the headmaster at St. Paul's for all those years. Mm-hmm. Well, he would take me out. I'd never been really deep sea fishing. He's like, man, you'll love it. So we go out there, and we tie up to the oil rigs and at nighttime. And it was 50-50. I mean, you'd catch a fish, and all of a sudden it'd stop moving. And you'd pull up half a fish because the sharks are just insane. Well, Brett, at one time, it's been beat since, I think, but at one time, Brett Rutledge caught the world record bull shark. Oh, damn. At the uh, at the big fish thing they have in the summertime, the rodeo. Uh-huh. And he caught it 200 feet off of the beach, right in front of where uh, Kiva Dunes is now. And it used to be Gulf Shores Plantation was was – what it was called back in the day. And that's where we used to go vacation as kids. I was like, he, <laughs> I mean, and he had so big, he had to tie it to the side of the boat, you know, to bring it in and all that stuff that. And then, um, when we go to South Carolina, you know, on the Atlantic side, we go to Charleston and Seabrook, right, which is right next to Kiowa. Well, dude, we, we went there and, and they run, there's a website called O search where they tag these great white sharks. And those great white sharks just run up and down right in front of the, right in front of the, of the beach. And I'm like, I'm done, man. I, I don't, I don't mess with sharks cause I can't see them. If you can't tell, I have a ghost. I have sharks. Things I can't see <laughs> scare me. If I, I feel like if I could see them, I'd be okay. Like I'm not like terrified of bears. If I go in the woods or, you know, if I could see something or I had a gun to shoot them, I got news I'd be for great. You. If you see the bear, you need to be scared. Well, I'll just shoot them. Cause I'm not going in the woods without, if I don't have a gun on me. I'm not going to the woods just to hang out. I'm not pulling an Aaron. Oh, that's true. I'm not doing an Aaron Rodgers. You know. <laughs> Did you see he came out? Did you see the report? No. Oh, ESPN.com. You got to read it. He comes out of the darkness, and they showed, like, the picture of where he was at. In my mind, when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, in my mind, I'm thinking this guy's, like, in this hotel that they just turn the lights off on, right? Right. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like, and they describe it in the article as a hobbit-like place, and that's what it was. It looks like they dug a cave in the side of a mountain and put this little wooden door. Like I'm, I'm waiting for the Keebler elves to come out and hand me some cookies or something. And it's 300 square feet, has a queen size bed, a bathtub and a toilet and a mat that you can meditate on in complete darkness. Well, he comes out of it. He's out of his uh, darkness retreat. So 
Did he have a revelation? He has not he's, said he's yet? He's not been interviewed yet. Okay. I'm sure he's waiting for uh, Pat McAfee's show on Tuesday. They'll be back from vacation. So I'm oh, sure he's probably so. But, well, I'll listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm I'm heavily intrigued. Let me see. Oh, I think I don't know if they're on there on there there or not. Let's see. You see him? Alan Oh, there he is. How about that? Look at this guy. You're doing it live, huh? We're How live. Yeah, I probably need yeah. to rephrase that one more time. We're doing it live. <laughs> um, so w- there's no editing involved. Uh, the audience, you have a Disney audience, so I better watch my. No, there's not really a Disney audience, but uh, just I just you know you're you're a head coach now, so I just want to make sure. The last time me and you did one of these things, you were you were still doing a hard edge podcast, so that was uh well, that was before yeah, you we, became a head we're coach. Gonna we're gonna bring that back up. I'll have both you guys on on uh, Raquel's and I. Hard Edge Podcast. Love it. Now that that's not live, and, and we're, it's a little, un, <laughs> a little less filtered. <laughs> we're, not, we're not worried about being canceled. Well, <laughs> we've we've had some times where I've wondered if a we needed to have a few more filters, and and b there have been a few times uh, where I've said, well, that that will get us canceled. Yeah, I, and, about three weeks yeah. ago, Rich Rod, I dropped forty two <laughs> f bombs on one podcast. I went back and counted them. Yeah, I don't see. I, don't, I won't go there. No, but. You don't uh, say those. You no, don't say those kind of words. Only when I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to welcome to. I would like to welcome to McCready and Siski, the 2022 Atlantic Sun champions, the head football coach, my good buddy. I, I've already given the background of why I'm about to call you Pablo Escobar uh, Rodriguez, my good friend, the man of the plan, Richard Rodriguez. How we doing, What's brother? Going on, man? That's good. I think is this my first time on your uh, podcast? It's this the first time on this one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, first one on a live one. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be with you. We got there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to talk. Most coaches in my position won't talk about stuff. They do. They're, they're like politicians. You know, they just kind of just tell tell the common answer. I've. I guess I'm too old. I just shoot it straight like it is. All right. So, let, let me get into that right away because we're going to talk about some other stuff. We'll talk about your background and your story and stuff. But I want to get into the uh, the current thing right now because you've you've been a coordinator at the SEC, the ACC, um, multiple places. You've been a head coach in, um, I guess, what is the, the Big Ten? The, yep. The, what is West Virginia? Big, what, Big East. What is Big now, East then. Now the Big 12. Uh, you've been – out in the Pac-12, you've been an offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, at ULM. You're now the head coach at Jacksonville State. You've been everywhere. I mean, God knows if anybody has like a cross-section of it, you do. When you look at what's happening today with the transfer portal, with uh, the unlimited transfer, or not the unlimited, but the one-time no-penalty transfer with uh, – NIL, all that, which I I refuse to call it that consistently. I call it pay for play. That's what it is. Um, When you look at all that, if you could look into your crystal ball and go 10 years from now, what does the sport look like? Yeah, I think if if it stays as it is, you know, college football is such a great thing. It's hard to screw it up. But right now we're doing everything you can to screw it up. I mean, it's a mess. And in, in the, I think the problem I've been saying is I'm a coach advocate, of course. That's my profession. The people that are making decisions on what's best for college football aren't college coaches. So what the hell are we doing? I mean, student-athletes should have a voice, but just a voice. 
administrators, politicians, they can have a voice, not a voice, uh, just a voice. But the coaches should be the main people because they know what's best for the game. And there's so much of a, a narrative, well, these coaches getting paid all this money, blah, 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 you know. But that should tell you even more why they should have more of a voice because they're so invested into the profession. And, you know, I told our coaches, hey, the goalposts to move, we got to move with it. But the things that they're doing right now in college football are, are, are hurting what, what's such a great product. Now, giving players, you know, more of a piece of the pie, that's great. Give them all $10,000 if you have the money, whatever the case may be. But having it like a pro league, well, you better have pro rules. You better have kids under contract. You better have, you know, guardrails. That's why the NFL is so successful. They have guardrails on how they do their salary cap, when they, when they can go in free agency, what they pay the rookies. All of a sudden, college football has none of that. You know, it's unlimited free agency, no salary cap. You, you just can't run a league like that and try to be fair. The NFL, you know, if you're the worst team, you, pick the, you get the first pick. In college, the best teams are getting the best pick. So, <laughs> so there's a difference between the has and have nots. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. And, well, yeah, and the, uh, and the NFL has a salary cap, right? And they've got, you know, you can put the franchise tag on a guy and he's going to get pissed off and he might hold out, but you can put a tag on yeah. a guy and uh, a guy can earn free agency and – uh, you know, in Major League Baseball, you have, you know, arbitration years and then the, the salary automatically goes up. And after six years of service, you can become a free agent or you can sign an extension that's that, that uh, you know, allows the club to buy some of the there's there's stuff and there's none of that in the yeah. college game. It's just yeah, kind of yeah. the Wild you West. See, you see, there's a rookie cap, right? You see a rookie quarterback coming in, making more than than uh, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady ain't never going to happen. I mean, in the NFL, they have a salary cap, and the quarterback's going to give between 15 18% of that cap to starting quarterback every year. You're not going to have some rookie. They have to, rookies going to have to wait until their fourth or fifth year before they get that kind of money. They have to earn it. You know, what's the problem in college? Some of these kids are coming in before they've proven themselves and getting more money than proven guys, and that affects your culture. And, you know, the group of fives where I'm at, it's not as much of a deal, but we won't do anything that we think that will affect or hurt our culture. You know what I mean? Like I like, you know, if our, we, our NIL deal is, is, is just a friend of mine that wants to help out the, the kids and what have you, and it's just a small little thing. that. But we're not doing it to get guys to come here. It's not to pay for play. You know, they might get 100 bucks if, they, if, if we win, and uh, I guess if they play so many plays, he'll give them 100 bucks or something if they do some social media work. But these schools that are, that are uh, you know, the power fives will tell you the going rate for a starting – corner or going right for a you know a great edge rusher is a couple hundred thousand dollars i mean what the hell are we doing i mean it's just it's just crazy i can remember when the kids got an extra pell grant check it was like they're living on cloud nine and it changed quick that that we can't help but these politicians that get in there and say well you're making all the money off the backs of these kids well the way i see it or if you go want to be a great a successful doctor you don't just come out of you know as soon as out of four years of college and a couple years of med school make money. You got to do an internship for years before you really start getting paid. Same way if you're a lawyer. Well, if you're a great athlete, a college football player, oh, just play three years in college, then you're getting paid. I'm saying if they want to say we're, that the colleges are taking advantage of these kids, then change your rule. Let them go to NFL right out of high school if they're good enough. Or one year out of college if they're good enough. Why make them wait? Don't make them wait. If they can get paid, go get paid. In any of the pro leagues. Go I've get been paid saying that for years. Enough. Yeah, it'll take. I hate the three-year rule. Well, here's the thing: is what, what but they're not ready. Ninety-nine percent of the kids are not even ready. Of course, right? So you go yeah. get some, go let somebody 
there's there's going to be a guy that's going, you know, superstar recruit that's going to decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to try the NFL 18 or 19 years old. He'll get cut in about three months, and then it's going to change everything. You know, they'll go, wait a minute, we do need to develop because it's a grown grown man game, you know. Now, I, I was president of the AFCA. I don't know if you guys knew. I had used to be I used to be something. But anyway, <laughs> back when I was a president of the Coach Association, we brought this up. And my, most coaches are overwhelmed with favorite. That's right. If the kid thinks he's good enough or if he's whatever, he wants to declare for the NFL after high school or one or two years of college, let him go. Well, they said, well, the NFL is 100% against it. Well, of course they're against it. They like having a minor league in colleges and get the kids three years of development and all that kind of stuff. I said, let's not make our decision based on whether the NFL likes it or not. Cause hell, what are they paying for anything for, for the colleges? No. So, you know, let, let, let's change that rule. And then that, that way, no kid or no athlete can say, well, I've got to go to college to three years or be out three years. If you're good enough, go get paid if that's what you want to do. And, and they should, there should no, there's no reason why you shouldn't. If you're a talented musician, plus now what's going to happen. These kids are going to have to start being under contract. And it's the same way, like, I don't know if we talk about the signing day, whatever. I said, why do we have a signing day? Let's treat them. If they were a talented musician or an artist, two sides come to agreement, they sign a contract, and there you go. What's any difference between being a talented athlete? That's a talent. You know, let's, let's, if they want to agree to it, let's agree to it and let them go on and, and be part of the 85 guys that are under contract for, for Ole Miss or for Jack State or whoever. Hey, uh, you brought this up and, you know, I wanted to run this by you because I know you and I talk and bounce stuff off each other all the time. But would you, what do you think about going back when it, we're talking about the portal? And really, it's not the portal. It's immediate eligibility. Um, going back to, to fix all these problems and issues that we have, going back to the old rule where, hey, if you got if you have to sit, uh, transfer, you have to sit out a year. Do you think that will fix things? And what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I've asked. Uh, I know we've talked about it. Somebody asked me about it, my opinion, transfer portal. I said, listen, sometimes it's not a fit. If they feel like they need to transfer, let them transfer and make them sit out a year, no matter what, and give them an extra year of eligibility. So you got six to play for instead of five to play for. Because what's happening, all these kids transfers, nobody's talking about the educational piece. Yep. You know, the kids aren't going to start because credits aren't going to transfer all the time from one institution to another. And so nobody, it's funny, not all these uh, people that are, that, are, that are out there talking about what's right to transfer, and none of them are talking about the educational piece of the reason one of the one of the reasons that kids go to college, right, is to create more value for themselves. You know, they want to be more value in their academic field or their or their future work workforce field or as an athlete. We're going to create more value as an athlete so you can possibly play professional ball. Well, if that's the case, you know, give them another year in college to create more value for yourself, but make them sit out a year. That way, as soon as the kids say, well, I'm second team, I'm going to leave and get more money or I'm going to leave and go get, you know, transfer somewhere else immediately. And what's happening, there's 2,000 kids that go in a portal on scholarship that don't wind up getting a scholarship. 35% of them are, are stuck in a portal without getting a scholarship and they thought they would. So they get bad advice and it's just, it's not a healthy situation uh, all the way around. We had John Summerall on, I guess it was last week. Yep. And we were, he was talking about culture. It was one of the first words he brought up. You brought that word up pretty quickly as well. Um, obviously he's done a really good job building it at Troy and he was talking about how he built it and that kind of thing. Is it easier to build it at a group of five school, like where you are right now than it would be if you were, 
you know, back at Michigan or, or, or back at Arizona where you're, you, you've got guys that are looking to leave all the time and, and the, the portal is such a major part of roster building at those places at yeah, this point? Yeah, that's a good point. But, but the portal is such a big – it's a big deal for us too. It's like if we find a kid out of high school nobody knows about and we develop him or nurture him and, and he plays really well in two or three years, he might look to get paid at a higher – at a bigger school. Well, that's his – it is what it is. I mean, we got him – we at least he had him for two years. But my point with the coaches is you, I don't think no matter where you're at, whether it's the NFL or college or high school, whatever, the culture, that's a buzzword, and it is the most important thing that a coach has to establish as soon as he gets in that program or at that school. And what I mean by that, it's not always being a hard ass, because trust me, I could be the hard ass of all hard asses, but it's, it's about doing things that are fair and, and players see that you're, you're working hard, you know what you're doing, you're helping them create value for themselves. You're going to have, lay the groundwork to have success for every year, and no matter who's out there playing. And the, coach, and the players want the fourth-team walk-on guy to be treated as fairly as a star court, starting quarterback. And, and I've always believed that. And I think when you do that, when some coaches sacrifice that part of the deal, they'll have a, they'll have a crappy culture, and they won't be able to win, you know, because you need all your whole team to win. Uh, whether they're getting you better during a week in practice or whether they're just a special team's ace, you need your whole roster to win. And if you sacrifice your culture, you'll have a hard time, you know, having the kind of success that you need to have consistently, I think. All right. We talked about it a little bit. And we've kind of glanced over it a little bit. I know we keep saying group of five. A lot of fans don't know um, that are listening. Make sure they do know that you're making the big jump this year going in uh, from FCS in the Atlantic Sun to going to FBS uh in conference usa so you yeah. know i i know you and you and i have talked so obviously i know about it but let's talk a little bit about kind of what goes into everything from going from 63 scholarships to 85 scholarships when you're going from fcs to conference usa how's that jump going and and what if, what you've all had to do basically in, in a year and a half to get there yeah good and, and it was let's go i'll get the whole background of course while neil's here i gotta i gotta uh poke a turd at him <laughs> about the uh, uh, Alabama, because when I, I didn't I didn't know much about Jack State. You know, I was coaching down Monroe, and then a friend of mine, Johnny Williams, who was involved in the Alabama search 15 years ago uh, when uh, I was talking to him back then, called up and said, hey, what's your interest in, um, in Jacksonville, Alabama, Jack State? So anyway, but going back to that, the rumor was that Neil had reported that oh, Coach Rod was going to Alabama – Supposedly, allegedly, going to Alabama. Dalak told him he was coming, but his wife said she wouldn't. Miss Rita said, "No, we're not doing." No, that. I didn't do the wife part. I did report the day before that we understood you were taking the job. That we expected an announcement the next day, and the reason that the reason that I know so much about it, and you and I have talked about this before, is I was in Mobile as the lead SEC reporter and a, and a columnist, and we had just had our third child. And my wife had insisted when we had our third child that I go get the snip. And it was the day you would, I think you West Virginia was playing in a bowl game and you had gone down to, I don't know, somewhere, Jacksonville, Tampa, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Gator bowl. You'd gone down for the press conference. And, um, the next day I was scheduled for the snip and (laughs) so my editor, I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And my editor calls me and he goes, Hey, 
he goes, he goes, uh, Rodriguez is, is taking the, uh, the Alabama job. We need you to be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. And I said, I can't be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. <laughs> you wish you could have. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And he goes, he goes, well, I got, you got to be there. And I'm like, damn it. And I'm thinking to myself and that summer before I had come up to do a big Pat white story and I had talked to you and it was me. And, uh, I want to say it was, uh, with you. Yeah, it was Chris some, from, from LA Times. We were both in there, and you had given your team like Sunday off. And uh, you gave us like two hours in your office. We had, I had more material than I ever needed. And I remember calling going, hey, I can do a big Rich Rodriguez story. And they're like, nah, come on back. We'll, we'll. I saved those tapes. And I said, I'll tell you what, I got a deal. I got a deal for you. Don't make me go to Tuscaloosa, and tonight I will write this massive Rich Rodriguez story that I've got all these quotes, talked to coal miners and stuff in West Virginia. I had everything. And so that I spent that whole night writing that story, and the next day I, I, I got woke up from my drug-induced um, and said, hey, it's a great story. You can sell it to whoever you want. I'm like, what? And they said he didn't take it. His, his, his wife decided he didn't want it. So that's always been like the story in my mind. So feel free to set the record straight if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, Miss Rhea is funny because she's obviously always been very supportive everywhere I've gone, but she's always gone wherever I've gone. You know what I mean? And so she was, she's like, hey, well, if you want to go to Alabama, we'll go to Alabama. If you want to go here, we'll go here. And that's, that's the way my family's always been. So no, she did not make, and I never, the rumor was, I never told Alabama I was coming, never. Now, my agent, Mike Brown, at the time Mike has passed, I think Mike may have said, I think he may have said, in my opinion, he's probably going to go. But he never, I never told Mike I was doing it, whatever. But anyway, you know, how smart am I? I mean, (laughs) Alabama, right? But I'm partially responsible for those six national championships in the last 15 years because they went back and got Nick after the second time around and he got the greatest college football coach of all time. But anyway, no, the, 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 the neat part about it, and I go back to this, what Jackson State is, I know how important football is in the state of Alabama. And um, I could sense it then. And then even with, with talking with Neil when he visited all that, how you can tell how important football is when you have people come visit you from way far away and spend time with you to talk football when they're not even from that, from that, uh, from that area, from that school. So anyway, long story short, I was just poking at you. But, uh, you know, when Johnny called me about Jackson State, you know, I'm, I knew a little bit about the school, but not a whole lot. But then they said, okay, we're going to, we're one double A. We're going to move up to one A to Conference USA. We're going to build a brand new football facility. And uh, we'd be interested to see if you're interested in coming doing it. And I like small towns. I'm from a small town. But then you got there and say, okay, geez, it's pretty daunting because most teams struggle for two or three years while you make the transition. And, and there's certainly going to be moments where we struggle as we flip the roster to a one A roster. But the nice part about it is we're, you know, we kind of went from 63 scholarships to 70 scholarships this year. That's why we weren't allowed to be in the playoffs because we had a couple extra more, more scholarships. And then our football facility be done in, before the 24th season. But we'll be in conference USA this year. We got six, I think seven national TV games, five midweek games, which is like our own reality show. We did a bunch of those in West Virginia. You know, I was like, we'll be, you can watch like the Bachelorette or like, uh, you know, uh, some game show or what conference USA football. So we're in a good time slot, right? So we get, we'll hopefully get some of that, but it's been, it's been good. I got a good staff, but it's always, you got different challenges. you like, can you hang on to your players? Can you hang on to your coaches? Cause you've got good coaches, you know, the power fives are going to try to poach them. 
and 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 uh, and all that. But I enjoy the challenge, and and I've been there. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the you know Pac-12 and Big Ten and Big East, whatever. But I also kind of cut my teeth in Division Two in small colleges, and and uh, really kind of learned the, the balance of the difference between the two and what you got to do to grow a program. I'm glad you you kind of gave me a smooth transition there. So. I know you, you've told me this story about five times, and I think it's one of the most interesting stories because we have a ton of coaches that listen now to the show. I get texts all the time. What Rich Rod doesn't get probably credit for is Rich Rod probably has as much to do with modern football as any coach that's in the country. And so I wanted you to tell, tell the story about how you came up with Reed Zone. So the quarterback Reed Zone play was started by our good friend Rich Rodriguez. So – can you tell the story about when you were back? I believe you went, you were at uh, Glenville, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, you know, somebody else may have been doing something similar. Well, it's like necessity is a mother invention, right? Well, at Glenville, when I took the job, you know, I was 26 years old and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I was good at faking it. Right. <laughs> but I was a defensive guy and I'm, I'm going to take this job. They had gotten out, scored 360 to 20 the year before shut out eight times. So it's probably the perfect job to take. Right. But I'll get there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do just to get a first down? And back then, the run and shoot was was kind of popular. Uh, a couple teams in the NFL were doing it, but they, everything was under center. I'm like, okay, I don't – you know, we had a short quarterback. I said, I don't know about going. Let's try go in a gun. And then as a defensive guy, it always gave us problems. Any time a team would go, you ever watch a game and they don't do it, the team does nothing until they get in their two-minute offense, end of the half, end of the game, they go up and down the field. I'm like, well, hell, let's do that the whole game what we got to lose, right? And so we said, okay, we're going to combine this shotgun, run and shoot kind of principle to a two-minute drill, and let's just try to do that the whole game. And there was very little run game with it. You know, we were just yeah, – but then that back at the time, nobody was using tempo either. So tempo to still to this day is a big part of what we do. But the run game was limited. All you could do is run a draw in a, in a handoff zone. And uh, so we said, wow, how do we, how do we – how do we get an extra number? I don't know. You know, we got the quarterback in the gun. We can use him and other than just speed option. And so the quarterback had kind of fumbled a snap and he missed the handoff and he ran across. We didn't block the end. And I'm like, this quarterback we had was a good throw, but he couldn't run very well. And I said, oh, you know, we get an athletic quarterback. We might could just read that guy and not have to block him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so if a team's best players are DN, that's perfect. We won't have to block him. If you get your best player, beat your best player, you lose, right? But so we 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 thought about it then, and that's where the idea came from. And then when I left the following year to go to Tulane and had Sean King, now I had a guy that was a four six forty, not fast, fast, but a decisive, good runner. And so we developed all the run game out of the out of the, the well, it wasn't just a zone read, it was counter read and all that stuff with them, and it kind of kind of took off. You know, nobody knew about it in Glenville because no games were on TV. You go into Tulane and you know, you win a few games, get on national TV, and then all of a sudden everybody's looking at it. Y'all went undefeated at Tulane, right? Yeah, it was second year, it was 12 and 0. And uh, and it was a neat environment. You know, it was with Tommy Bowden, and we had a good staff and you know, uh, you know, the players bought in and it was all different. You know, trust me, the, the, the way we practiced and they didn't have a lot of walk-ons. So then why we had seven wideouts and those dudes was in the best shape, but they were like marathon runners. We would have, we'd have our, on our two a days back then when you had two a days, we had, we had have two a days. And then in the middle, we had two big tents we put between the practice fields because after the first morning practice, there'd be 25 guys getting IVs getting bags so they could practice in the afternoon you know and then he did so they had to be in shape we couldn't let them sit out the rest of the day but it was it was a the kids bought into it we had a great group of kids and so then uh uh Tulane I didn't get that job you know they thought I was the interim coach for the bowl game whatever and then we went to Clemson and then Clemson obviously a bigger profile and we had some success there then it kind of took off but it was you know that's uh, what was that 20 some years ago and now it's commonplace. Now you're seeing it back. You know, everybody always said, you know, Tyler, we talked about this. Well, that's a college scheme, right? Yeah. High school scheme, college scheme. Now you look in the NFL and watch the Super Bowl. And uh, Philadelphia is running zone reads and counter reads and, and stuff like that with a quarterback. So it's just, filtered up. Just, just yesterday, like was it yesterday? Baltimore had the introductory uh, press conference for Todd Munkin. And yep. he was talking about essentially <clears throat> installing a lot of that for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I call it playing with 11. Hell, the, the sucker's getting $35 million a year. All right. Play with it. Play with it. Play two of them. I just think the dumbest rule in the NFL is you can't have three active quarterbacks on a game day roster. And you see what happened with the 49ers. Yeah. Just, they got to change that. So, or, or that, or, or get yourself an athletic guy like Taysom Hill at the Saints that can play another yeah. position and play quarterback. And then you have the, some of that uh, zone read, counter read power read stuff that that uh that puts them in the conflict defensively i was gonna ask you another question uh i'm always curious i don't know if i've ever asked you this before um if you could go back in time you could get in a time machine is there one particular play call that you wish you could take back and change oh in a game like something you did in a game you're like son of a bitch and then you wish you could go back every game i've ever lost probably there's probably (laughs) 10 or 12 of them you know (laughs) Everybody says, well, yeah, I never – I wouldn't take – hell, yeah, there's – every game we've won, every game you're lost, there's calls you want to take back, right? Everyone that doesn't get a first down or score. <laughs> I, I, tell you, I do want to tell you what about involved with Miss Rita. I was uh, – because I, I always remember this. We was, we was at Clemson 
I was off at his corner calling plays, and then we're playing at Georgia Tech, and they were pretty good at the time, better than, we were, than they were now. But anyway, it's like in the fourth quarter, we're down like three, we're just past midfield, and it's like third and five, right? And I'm thinking, wow, man, we're gonna we're gonna get it all right now. I'm gonna call a reverse. <laughs> it might be like third and three. I said I'm gonna call a reverse, right? Well, the damn thing loses like seven yards, and we wind up losing the game. And of course, if we lose, like. Nobody talks to me for like a month, right? So, so we lose, lose the game. And Miss Rita, she usually waits for like two weeks. And she goes, by the way, I was just I'm just curious. What were you thinking on that reversal on third and three? <laughs> I'm like, you know, all the damn plays. we call, That was the one call that Tommy Bowden made. And then he called a damn reversal. <laughs> no, he did not. Tommy did not. I blamed it on him. But I do, I do. She brings that one in my third and three, and you call a reverse at midfield. I don't know about that. So, yeah, I can remember that one because that gets brought up a little bit. But, uh, but you know, it's it's fine. I've always enjoyed calling the plays. Now, but I have guys on my staff back even before uh, Coach McGee passed away. He could call it. My, my coordinator, Rod Smith, can call it. And, uh, and people said, why don't you let your quarterbacks call? Because I've had smart quarterbacks you know, everywhere I've been. Pat White was was a smart player, obviously, uh, Sean King, my son, Rhett, he could finish my sentences, whatever. But I said, the smartest quarterbacks I have still don't watch more film than coaches. They might be watching SpongeBob SquarePants or some shit, you know, I'm, <laughs> where I'm watching film. So, you know, I still trust us. Now, what we think is that I like to put the pressure on the quarterbacks mentally post-snap. I don't want them to think about what play to call. I want them to think what the play is called where their eyes and their decisions should go to. And so by focusing on that, hopefully they don't get too, you know, uh, too, too confused throughout the game. Don't miss the seam on cover three. And yeah, <laughs> throw it on time. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know why if it's cover three, you don't try to throw the seam <laughs> and why you don't throw it on time. You've seen me go off. I, I've, heard, I've heard you. Uh, I've seen a couple of headsets bounce off the ground. Well, I just, well, Neil, you guys have watched these, these, and there are some really good quarterback guru guys. Yeah, you know, my trainer, <laughs> train kids how to throw, work them. But I watch all this time, and they go through these damn cones, like back and forth and sideways, this and that. And I'm like, when the hell do you ever see a quarterback and drop back and go up and back, left, right, up, back, left, right, up, back, left, right, and then you blow whistle and they throw it. I said, <laughs> I've never seen that happen in a game. So what the hell are we doing? Yeah, I don't know. It's the same way. It's the same way with watching cones. You heard me. Tyler talk about receivers running routes and having cones on the field. And they break at this cone and break at that cone. I said, what that? Why, why the hell are they looking at the cone? I want their eyes to look up and look at the coverage. They got their eyes focused. You're teaching them how to look at a cone. I said, yeah, I said on, when they start using cones and on defense, then we're in trouble. On game day, there are no cones out there. No. Hell no, there ain't no cones out no. there. So why do you running routes on cones? But anyway. Hey, how many headsets did you break this year? We have a number? I didn't you know why? Because, you know, we're lower budgeted. You know, so we, we, I'm not, we, you know, if we're going to break, we, if we break a headset, that might be one less kid I could bring on an official visit. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if that's, that, that's worth it. So, uh, and, and we were winning most of the time. So that was good too. All right. So I got, I got a key question for you right here. All right. Uh oh. All right. So here's the question. Are we actually shooting down balloons as a United States government? Or are we, are we shooting down UFOs? I think there was one spy balloon and 10 water balloons from Walmart up there. And we missed the water balloon. For some reason, we missed the water balloon. No, there's probably, we're probably finding out all kinds of stuff that we're shooting down. And 
people didn't know about. I was glad we're catching it, but I hope that they were. I'm in the safest place in America because they're not doing no spot dealings over Jacksonville, Alabama. Oh, hey, and there ain't, probably, ain't none of Oxford, Mississippi either. I don't think. Hey, Rich Rod, you don't. Hey, you know you're in my hometown. You know, you know that uh, Anniston, Alabama, is on the uh, is on the list. What list? Well, that's a McClellan Fort for, yeah, the, Fort McClellan and Bi- and Bynum's where they and they have the one of two chemical weapons incinerators in the country is in Anniston, Alabama. Why do you tell everybody? So all these these damn people that are listening that are against us it might be like, oh, we better. Get well, I think they already know. <laughs> I think they're. I think. Oh, because they know they put them. They put them damn things over us. We'll shoot them down ourselves. We don't need the military. I got enough folks around town here. Do we? We'll take out a rifle. We'll put the damn balloons. Down. Hey, a six pack of ninety light. A six pack of ninety light. There's plenty of people in Anniston, Alabama, yeah. that would take that down. Yeah, there's some heat in Anniston, I'm guessing. Yeah, Are, I don't, yeah, I just don't know if my burner gun can shoot that far. That's, that's all right, all right, all right. So, do you still have the burner gun? Yeah. Hey, Neil, you ever heard of a burner gun? I've not. Oh, oh. my God, you got to. <laughs> I mean, it's the biggest secret. I don't know if it's a secret anymore. You know, there's. I mean, on a serious note, there's there's so many uh, tragic stories with gun violence, right? And and I'm, you know, for you know everybody that has a right to own their own gun, whatever. But you know, the burner gun shoots a uh, just like a pistol, looks like a pistol, acts like a pistol, and anything, but instead of shooting a bullet, it shoots a a um, little capsule, uh, kind of rubber bullet, rubber pellet. It's a paintball. A it, it's know. a paintball filled with pepper spray. Yeah, it's a pe- pepper spray kind of a little round bullet and uh the, the when you look at the, the advertising for it's funnier hell because these guys are wearing a metal sheet and they blast <laughs> his eyes are crying he's incapacitated whatever well and it's easier to shoot you know it's so if, if you shoot somebody with a pellet gun and and with with pepper spray you might knock them out for a couple hours and they'll be miserable but you're not going to kill them right uh so we have uh we have a burner gun that's what they're actually starting to do a lot of police departments because some of these people go crazy and, you know, they go try to shoot them for self-defense. Well, if you shoot them with a burner gun, you're not going to kill them, but you're going to take his ass down. So I think, uh, you know, having burner guns, maybe even a burner rifle is the safest, safer way to go. They got rifles and, now? Oh, yeah. I think they even got some that did, that I don't know if they have magazines that shoot multiple time, quick times, but you have bigger clips. I think my clip holds five. You can get some that holds ten. So yeah, so so you start those Chinese and they try to put some damn balloons over my house. My burner gun's gonna shoot it down, brother. I'm telling you that too. So if you, I'm 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 covered that way. What are you are you are you still of the RNA? Just so you know, Neil. Yes. If you need to laugh so hard, I mean, I, I don't know if I. I mean, seriously, I can't breathe. What? Go to YouTube and watch B Y R N A. He got me to do this, okay. and it, gun. it's and the demonstration. demonstration how it works and and uh hell yeah they even got target you know practice pellets that you can practice with and then they get the real stuff and it's it's uh yeah it's it's actually it's getting popular now across the country for security guards you know even some police officers because it'll it'll stop people without you know totally taking them out are you are you still standing by your statement earlier two years ago that if we have an alien invasion that the burner gun will say will save humanity it'll it'll save me more than it'll save you if i got one and you don't because <laughs> fair they, point you know those now now i don't know if we talked neil you all have talked about it on your show but they they are out there now i don't think they being aliens rich yeah, the, the aliens. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, out there. Yeah, okay. I mean, why, 
we think we're the only intelligent beings on the, in the world. No, they're out. But I don't think that if they wanted to, if they're mean, they'd already come get us, right? Yeah. So I think they're just trying to figure out who we are, just like we're trying to figure out who they are. But I've I've seen unidentified flying objects. All right, here's a, here's a question. Here's a question. Do you think in their civilization, our existence is as big of a secret as their existence is in ours? No, hell, they're looking at them like we're the four-team scout team guy. Like, yeah, whatever. We ain't worried about them. We're worried about that five-star over on this planet. You know what I mean? So they're not, you know, they're not worried about all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and so far they've been friendly, right? Now they might be getting closer. I think what's not happening is that they're not getting closer to us. We're getting more technologically savvy, and we're able to find or see more than we've ever had. They've always been out there. What do you think they got over in, where is that, in New Mexico, whatever they got? Roswell. The Area, Roswell. Area 51 yeah. is probably what you're talking about. I'd like to be present just for one day. So go to Roswell and find out, you know, what the hell's going on over there. That was it. And then I'd resign and let somebody else do that job. All right, so let's go back. You've seen a UFO, correct? Yeah. All right, tell the story about that. Well, this is back when, my, uh, when I was growing up in West Virginia, and my dad was a coal miner. And I, you know, used to be long story short, when you're a coal miner, you work three different shifts, right? Day shift, midnight shift, afternoon shift. Well, they always wanted to work the, the day shift. Well, he never worked day shifts, so always had to walk to school. Well, anyway, he started working. He got a, uh, a break, started working day shift, so he could drive me a mile and a half to the bus stop, which was good. Well, so he was all, we was always six o'clock in the morning. We'd be the only two up. And he never said nothing. My dad was a quiet old country guy and never said anything about anything, hardly. But he went one morning, it's about six o'clock. We're getting ready to get it, drive me down the bus stop. He said, Oh, he said, Oh, look at that. I said, What is it? He said, Look up in the sky. And he listened for him to say anything at six in the morning. He's like, What? We looked up there and there was this object. And it was kind of like hovering back and forth. For 15 minutes, we just stared at it, didn't say a damn word, just like this. Well, so they can't, it's not the moon. All right. It's not a star because a star wouldn't move in that kind of back and forth kind of motion. And it looked, you couldn't see the shape of it, but it just for 15 minutes, it hovered almost like we could hear it and see it. And I said, what the hell? Back then you didn't have cell phones. You could record it. And we probably didn't want to know how to use record anyway. And then after about 20 minutes, it went quick as we can. We both looked like each other and said, what the hell was that? So how, how high in the air was it? You think? Well, it looked like you could almost, you know, shoot it with a burner gun, right? But it was probably, I mean, it was, it, it, it was big. It was big enough that you could. It wasn't ten thousand square, ten thousand feet above there. But it was, it was a hell of a lot closer than the moon or the stars or anything like that. It looked like a, you know, there wasn't a lot of planes fly over Granttown, West Virginia, so you didn't see a lot of planes anyway. But it was, uh, it was definitely an unidentified flying object. So I looked. You know, back if it was social media, that we'd have had a whole bunch of people probably filming it and, and commenting on it. Back then, I was like, in Grant Town, there's only 100 people living in the damn town. I'm like, I wonder if anybody else in Grant Town, six o'clock in the morning. So I said, I told my dad, I said, ask some of your buddies that were going to the mines if they saw the UFO up there at six o'clock in the morning. And nobody else had, had said they seen it, but they're out there. I've seen them. <laughs> this my guy. I think they're out there too. I've, I've always said that. Dude, I, I'm the idea that the idea that we live in this like I read something today. There's some there's some object. It's like a black hole flying through space right now. They've they've seen it. It's six hundred million it's the size of six hundred million suns. Think about that for a minute. That's pretty big. 
if if the if if our whatever word you want to use, right? Universe yep. is that expansive. The idea that we on this little blue planet are the only intelligent <laughs> life or or quasi intelligent life is is it's ludicrous. That is that is the most arrogant thing that anyone could possibly say. No, we're it. That's we're it. There's nothing more out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm on I'm on Team Rich right here. I'm just not gonna have a burner gun. I'm going I'm going to stick with my Smith and Wesson. Yeah, listen, they, yeah, they, whatever weapons we have, whatever they got is ten times that. You know, even what the Chinese are doing, whatever they've got ten times of that. So, uh, if they want to, they want to create something, they're going to create something. So we're, we don't have anything to worry right now. But I think it is, it's interesting to how as technology has advanced, we're finding out more and more objects. Be seen. And I know a lot of stuff people are trying to get attention on social media. They just make up something, you know, and, and uh, Photoshop it, what have you. But there's there's enough evidence out there to, to me to be be understanding that there's other people out there. So we'll see what happens. All right. What was the uh, what's something that you watch on TV? OK, that you would not you would not tell your buddies that you watch. That what's your kind of your guilty pleasure on TV that you would not like? Are you watching The Bachelor? What's something you're watching on TV that you won't? Watch that because that that's kind of like put on for. But I did watch. Somebody got me hooked on to watching Yellowstone. Okay. Have you watched that, dude? I have and, not watched uh, it yet. I've watched some of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You start watching it, and you want to keep watching it because you want to see how it ends. And so I've watched all. You know, when I was doing the flights during recruiting, you know, you got three, four hour flights. I'm like, geez, you can watch about, you know, four episodes in one flight. And so I got hooked on to Miss Rita was watching the first, and then now I got hooked. I got hooked on on watching every episode of, you know, of Yellowstone. And it's kind of interesting because it's country, you know, we're a little bit in the country, but it's uh, uh, the characters are what makes the shows, right? And it's yeah. not real, but you can, you, can, uh, you can imagine. Plus, I think if you watch it and just see the beauty of the land, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, uh, it's kind of neat. You know, that's why, I mean, there's, you, you could be happy in the city, you could be happy in the country, whatever, but, I don't think if you see a beautiful part of the country, whether it's in Montana or in Alabama or West Virginia, whatever, and not have some appreciation for, you know, how blessed we are, you know, to be able to, to enjoy that. So I love Yellowstone was neat. I, I liked watching that. And I like competitive stuff. It's like the XFL's on now, and I got a couple of buddies coaching the league. And I love watching. I got they got grid rules, they keep teams in the games. I think you know, it's uh, it's not the highest quality all the time, but there's good players out there, and I hope it all uh, all good. But it's, if you love football, it's entertaining. So you had that good. long. You speak about West Virginia. You had that long run at West Virginia, your home state, and I mean, y'all had it really going there for a while. How special was that when you look back on that part of your career? Oh, it was good. You know, it was my. You know, when you coach at your alma mater, it's obviously a neat thing because you know all the ins and outs, and you could sell it probably better than any place in the country. But there's also for me. And I don't want to say there's always pressure coaching. So I, and that, that part never bothered me, but there was a sense of responsibility that I felt that this is not only my hometown and my alma mater, but this is where I'm from. And so if you lost, you felt like you left. So let so many people down. And so you put that pressure on yourself more so because it's your school. You know what I mean? And so when we were winning and, going, and had it going on, that was really neat, but it's also more, it, when you were winning, it's also more of a relief. Like, geez, God, I'm glad because, yeah. you know, I didn't, you know, you didn't realize how many friends and cousins and everybody you had till you get there and they want season, season tickets, you know, but, uh, so that, that was, that was kind of neat. And that, and that's, 
you know, your every place I've enjoyed every place I've been. You know, I lived in a city in New Orleans, coaching the Tulane. Uh, obviously, still love Tucson. We got a place out there. West Virginia is a home, but you know, I like our short time in Oxford. Oxford, Mississippi is a great town and great, great people. I mean, and football is important there. So as a coach, you kind of like a military family, you kind of adapt, Neil, you know, you go wherever you're going, just going to make that your home. And that's why, you know, it's like about every place we've been, as soon as we got there, we tried to find a house to buy. And even in Monroe, you know, we got there and we didn't think we'd be there long. And, you know, we were there one year, but we bought a house. I think we sold it to a uh, few, uh, what was the coach from, uh, Hugh Jackson from Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, Raquel might. Yeah. Hugh Jackson from Cleveland. He was going to job in Grambling, which is close to Monroe. So he bought my house. You know, Thank you me. know, Neil McCready is a proud alumni of Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. No way. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. They should do a term in Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I was there for, I got my graduate degree there. I was there for two years. It was, um, I grew up in Ruston and my parents grew up in Monroe. They're all from Monroe. All my family is. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been to more games at uh, Malone Stadium than I care to admit. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're good people. They love football. Football's important in, in that part of the country, and and uh, and again, you know, Rhett being my son, being the quarterback there, that was a that was a neat experience. Really enjoyed that. Is he fully healed from his deal? That was kind of scary there yeah, for a while. Yeah, that was a crazy thing when he when he got that shot in the ribs and he had to go and get a get on a ventilator for three days and. The, the scariest part of my entire coaching career by far was was that because we didn't, you know, he played through the game, won, and finished the game with it, and then he recognized after the game that his voice sounded funny and had in his lung, his, his neck started to fill up with, with uh, air and clogging it. And he lives by himself. He lived by himself. But he had gone home. It had been really bad. And they noticed it at the press conference. And while he was giving a press conference, his voice sounded kind of funny and they examined it, put him on, and the doctor came out and said, if we don't put him on a ventilator in 15 minutes, we're going to have to do a tracheotomy so he can breathe. And we're like, holy cow. So for three days, he was intensive care on a ventilator. And, you know, the scariest part, I don't know if we told it on this story, the scariest part is when they put him under to put the tube in, they said, well, you won't feel a thing, you won't hear anything, you won't know anything about it, and the next thing you wake up, you know, it might be a week or so, you'll wake up knowing what happened. Well, they didn't give him enough anesthesia. Because he was dehydrated from the game. Yeah. And so he was twitching. After they brought him out, he started twitching his legs, his arms, his tears starts coming out of his eyes. And I said, Something's wrong here. So I got a little bit of a temper, right? So I yelled and I said, Doctor, I told the nurses something's wrong. And then a doctor walked by and he knew right away, oh my God, I didn't give enough anesthesia. So I asked Rhett later, I said, What was it like? He said, Dad, I was there. And when they, I heard him, they told me I wouldn't hear or feel or see anything. He said, I could feel and hear and see everything. Oh, my God. And he said, I thought I was, it was like I was buried alive and I could do nothing about it. Ugh. And so when they put him under, he, he heard about that. Maybe we may have to cut his throat here or do that. And he was like, I tried to tell him, but he couldn't tell him anything. And he couldn't move because when they put a ventilator in it, they put it a paralytic in you to paralyze it because you'll, you'll want to pull that tube out of your throat, right? Well, he said, I couldn't move my arms and my legs. He said, so I, I said, so what'd you do? He said, I thought if I give myself a heart attack, they'll know something screwed up. So that's when he started trying to breathe heavy, give himself a heart attack. And he said, then when I started twitching the finger, I, he said, I got him. And I started twitching my legs. He said, now they've got to know something's wrong with me. And then he did. They noticed that they didn't give enough anesthesia. So he was oh. like, he was aware of everything. 
So what they do? They they had to give him more anesthesia to knock him out. So that- yeah, they had to go right away. They took him right back and said, "Oh yeah, let's go." And they had to give him more anesthesia. Oh my god! And bring him out. So yeah, can you imagine being? No, like, no, no. He said, "I felt like I was buried alive." Oh yeah, my gosh! They were doing. So it's nuts. Well, I'm so but glad yeah. he's okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, he's okay, and he's got his two master's degree, and and he's working out in out in Arizona. And I got my daughter. You know, Raquel's working for me. She's the rock star the family tired knows that she, yep. she's she's doing all that stuff so it's it's been we're, we're blessed we're we're in a good spot and I, I and you know Tyler is from here he knows there's good people here you know and there's work to do I try to remind him okay we were nine and two we had a good year but there's a lot of work to do to get it to be a division one a product and and so thankfully the, that everybody I think everybody's on board with that have you since you since you're a, a resident Calhoun County and now have you tried Mata's Pizza yet? I've been trying to put you on Mata's. No, Pizza. I haven't. We keep talking about. Uh, That's my spot, man. You know, finding the best spot. Where is it at? Is it All right, it's on Quintar. It's on Quintar, the main Dragon Aniston, right next to the to the big hotel, the what used to be the Victoria. It's right next to that. It's on Quintar. Oh, okay. So you gotta you yeah, gotta go I, straight down for straight down Quintar. I mean, literally, you get on on four thirty one and don't I'm turn. How spoiled you get? You know, if I have to drive more than five minutes to somewhere, it's like cause it's a, it takes me a minute and a half to get to my house. So, you know, I'd like if I have to drive 15 minutes, man, that's a long way. So Dude, I, if I, every I single time I go home with, without question, every single time I, I come home, my mother knows I'm coming home. The, when we pull up into the driveway, there's Mata's Pizza in the, in the kitchen. So here's my question on pizza because, yep. you know, I'm not a pizza expert, but I like, you know, like everybody, I like thin crust pizza. But I like when they put a lot of sauce on there. Don't be chintzy with the with the sauce. You know what I mean? I mean, don't be chintzy with the pepperoni. Don't be chintzy with the cheese. Don't be put some damn sauce on this thing. These guys that just put a cheese in in a in a, in a crust. Hey, yeah, come on now. Let's what's go. your what's your go to? My question is: Is Mata have enough sauce on the pizza? It's the best pizza that's ever been ever been invented. All right. Well, I'm gonna try it then. That when I have you on heart, you two on hard edge football, if it ain't worth a damn, I'm you gonna you let me know. Hey, if it's if it's not, if you don't, don't like it, I know no sports, but they don't know shit about pizza. Hey, if you don't, if you don't like Mana's pizza, you don't like pizza. Okay. It's that good. Mata's what's your what's your go to pizza? What's your your pizza order? If it's just you, uh, oh, I, I'll do a thin. I'll do a, just a regular large thin crust pepperoni and cheese. That's it. Simple. But just can't you don't get thin crust because I don't know most people don't don't want to do that. I, when I order from like Papa John's or somewhere like that or Domino's, I go thin crust, pepperoni, and banana peppers. This sounds like bat blasphemous, or that whatever that word is. <laughs> but you could probably get your best thin crust pizza from a frozen pizza in a grocery store. Okay, there's better thin crust. There's better thin crust pizza in frozen pizza in a grocery store than there are at restaurants for whatever reason. Until uh, and I said, I don't know about Mata's. We'll see, dude. If you if you don't like Mata's, I can't. Good if you know them. Listen, I'm, you know, we we're uh, we're kind of open. We're we're uh, we're Adidas school, but we don't really get like money from Adidas. So I like can do I can kind of wear. So I'm gonna have on the back of my play sheet. Like a lot of people say, what do you look at? If you have to look at a play sheet to call plays, you really don't know your offense, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna put. I just do it to cover my mouth so they don't see me cussing. But I'm gonna put like Pete's Tire Shop. There you go. There. The second half. Second half, I might put Mata's Pizza on there if they're, they give me a deal. Then I'll have a different hat on, change that every quarter or something. I'll be looking like a NASCAR driver. I have stuff. Well, on. dude, you could do it because Mata's is just in Aniston and Gadsden, so you're right in the middle of both of them. Oh, good. Dude. I mean, dude, this yeah, is dude. like 
this is where it's at. That was capitalism, what he just described, by the way. That's exactly. Actually, that's I'll, how, I'll support them, and then uh, I'll see if they'll support us. There you go. Need some, need some help. I like it. All right, real quick before we get you out of here. What was the last What was the last thing? What was playing on your radio this morning when you got out of the car? Oh, you know, because my I live a mile and a half from campus, it's a three-minute drive. <laughs> I don't even get to see a, hear a whole song. But uh, – but I'll listen to Chris Stapleton radio on Pandora. Okay. And then, and then my good friend, Riley Green, you know, Riley's yep. a Jacksonville guy. And so I'll have something from Riley on there or something from Alabama, our buddy Randy Owen, yep. who's one of our guys, or something from Chris Stapleton radio or Luke Combs. Those are, those are, those are the guys. So you're saying you're a country guy. Well, yeah, I've always like, I like any kind of music. Like I like, like if you were to say rap music, no, the like, uh, from the uh, 2000s, that was the good rap. You know, now they don't have a beat or anything, any kind of rhythm. You know, back then. So I, here's if you had to have two stations to listen to, and if you if, and if you're not cheap like Tyler, and you can pay the ten dollars a month for Pandora, you get Prince Radio, yep. which is great, and Chris Stapleton Radio, and you got to take care of it. or Luke Combs Radio. Those are the three. That's three stations you listen to. All right, who's your favorite old school rapper? Since you said you like old school rap, you got a favorite old school rapper? No, I always call uh, MC Hammer, but he's more of a dancer than a rapper. Uh, Ice Cube and Ice T, what do you call him? Ice yeah. Cube, he was good. What about uh, Snoop? Is that old school for you? Yeah, Snoop was Snoop was good. He had well, like one or two songs, maybe. Oh, but uh, Snoop's the they, greatest. They well, yeah, they don't have. Uh, uh, they don't have a long list of, of stuff, but those, those songs from, from the two thousands were, were good ones. Like Eminem, he had some good songs back in the early 2000s. Yeah. yeah he's, he's good. So the, the other thing about Rich Rod that the people don't know is he'll get, he'll get, uh, I have never seen anyone in my life coach. Cause he coaches hard, right? Yeah. But his players, every player, everybody in the building loves him. And so I've never seen this. He has the the unique ability to get after somebody on the football field, and then you're like, man, poor guy's gonna have a rough day or something, you know. And you and you go shower up, you walk by, and the same kids in there cut cracking jokes and eating. They're in there cracking jokes and eating candy. He has got the best candy stash of all time in his office. So what is in the candy stash right now in the office? Well, I actually I got a bunch of we we create a food kitchen right by my office, so they can okay. go there and get you know peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, all kinds of snack, healthy foods. I got healthy snacks uh, outside my office. They don't come see me because I don't have the peanut butter, jelly, crustables, whatever you call them, all that kind of stuff. But uh, What about the Reese's no, Cups, but, Almond Joys? I mean, I'm filling up full-size deals oh, now. Oh, yeah. I had the Ole Miss. You had the – but that was – you damn coaches and staff members came and raided it all the way. At the time the kids got in there, it was all gone. But His office is – about this, I'll let you ask about what's the difference between coaching now. We've done it for – 30 some years, but I, it's like people say coaches brag about, it. I got 30 some years of experience. Well, if all you're doing is the same thing and you didn't learn and grow, you just got one year experience repeated 30 times. Right. So I said, the difference 25, 30 years ago, you tell the kid, okay, run through that wall. They'll do it and not ask any questions. Now they'll do it, but they want to know why, why am I going to do it? So you got to explain to them. And if you don't have a good explanation, they'll coach. That ain't what it says right here on Google. So you better be more prepared because kids are smarter now. You yep. can't BS them. And that's what we tell our coaches. I said, don't be asking. If you don't know the answer to a question, go get the answer. Just be brutally honest with them. Don't waste your time and everything will be good. Yep. 
Dude, you're you're a stud. You got anything? You got anything else? No, it was really it was a lot of fun. Appreciate you uh, spending some time uh, with us. Yeah, appreciate you guys. We'll have Raquel and I. We'll have you all on our on our Hard Edge podcast, and uh, that's taped, so we can edit you out if we don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Rich, Rich Rod's one of the best in the business. As you can tell, see his personality. He is as funny as they get, but he is truly one of the best football coaches out there. His teams are fun to watch. I love the way they play physical. They know what they're doing. They, they, you know, he he calls it hard edge, and that's what they that edge is what they play with. It's it's one of the most entertaining uh, football games for anybody that really likes football to watch. So I'm so happy for everything. I'm glad he's in the hometown, so I get to go by and and, and holler at him from time to time. But uh, I appreciate you a ton, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Jack State, baby. Jack State football. Hey, you see my shirt today, by the way, right? I love it. I love it. You gotta get the new brand. I gotta get you guys some of the new gear that got Jack State on it. I'll hook you up. Well, Neil's a sucker for gear. Neil's, we're extra larges over here, so that's easy to remember. UXL, got it. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys. See you. Got my close up there. There you are. He's a stud, man. The uh they got it going, man. I just I'm I'm excited that uh that everybody's excited at Jacksonville State too. They're glad they have him and uh they get going to Conference USA. He's going to make some noise in the Conference USA this year. All right, let's ask about one of your other friends uh, in the news, uh, Matt Luke, former Ole Miss coach, <laughs> yeah. former Georgia offensive uh, line coach, assistant head coach, whatever, being pursued by Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. Yep. I'm just uh, looking at Twitter real quick. <laughs> I know you, I know you uh, probably know more than you can say, but what's your gut feeling as to whether Matt's going to get back into coaching? Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I can say and what I can't. Um, yeah, I've talked to him, obviously. Um, I mean, it's no secret that he's had opportunities before. It's no secret that people have pursued him. I'm not going to get into specifics, yeah. but I mean, I've heard things before you've even told me things. Yeah. So it's people know. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know it was out there, um, that he was getting, uh, interviewed for that job and then. People started calling me or texting me. I guess it was Monday or Tuesday. No, it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, and I was like, uh, first, the first message I got was last week. And I didn't know any. I saw him last Wednesday. Saw him, play golf with him last Wednesday. Um, didn't mention anything about it. He went, to, went on a little vacation. And somebody said, hey, he's going to interview for this job. And I said, no. I said, you know, somebody, you know, that has um, – has a feel for things. And, and I was like, no, that'd be news to me. You know, and I actually sent him a picture that Matt sent me from the beach. You know, I said, he's, he's at the beach. Um, so he's not there right now, but no, I, I've talked to him since, uh, talked to him last night, talked to him the day before that. Um, look, I just want the guy to do what's, ha what's best for him. Um, he's got some decisions to make, uh, probably pretty quick because of, uh, spring practice. Um, I, God, I, I'm, I can say more, but I can't. You know what I mean? No, um, it's okay. I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's good. It's, it's out there. It's out there that he interviewed for the job, and he did interview for the job, so that's not a secret. Um, and it, I guess it came from the Notre Dame side because the guy that broke it also writes for the Notre Dame sites or whatever, you know. So um, he has been up there um, to check everything out. But, you know, there's uh, if that's what he wants to do, I want him to be happy because he's one of my best friends, and I hope that he uh, – that he is happy with what he gets. And maybe uh, when we get an answer one way or another, I can talk about some other things. Okay. but uh, That's fair. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to dance around this thing while we're live on air. Uh, real quick, I'll tell you that we're brought to you by Walk-On Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo, shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Order online at walkons.com or check out the convenient Walk-Ons app in uh, Oxford or Ridgeland. Today, we're also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, Olive Branch, South Haven, those areas, get in touch with our friends at Southern, 662-429-4429. I forgot to add, and it's my fault, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get better at this. There were some questions that people had for Rich Rod, and Grind had asked me one about how, to, and I can probably answer most, well, I can answer all of these. Um, he said, how did it, did uh, Rich Rod convince Pat White that was at Daphne to go to West Virginia? And I know one, this one. Yeah, because he could play quarterback. Yeah, you know, L- LSU was recruiting him as a DB. Yep. Uh, Alabama slow played him. Yep. Auburn wanted him to play DB. He wanted to play quarterback, and they told him he'd play quarterback, and he played quarterback. Yep, he was good. And that, that was, uh, dude, he had, they, when they had, Slayton and Pat White because they were running reads. Noel Devine. Noel Devine. And nobody mm-hmm. had it like it's funny how when I say he truly influenced the game, when when he started running read zone, he was the first that, you know, at the that that level to run it. We stole it from him at Arkansas or maybe Northwestern State. We stole it from him. Nobody was running it. And the defenses didn't know how to react. I mean, it took years before they figured out, hey, we can squeeze, you know, they do a technique now called squeeze scrape or they'll add a guy from the back end now. They play it 10,000 different ways. And that, and then the result of the defenses responding to read zone is what brought up all the RPO game, right? So, you know, RPOs was a response to the defense's response to, to read zone. So it's really affected the game of what we know today. Um, and then Drew asked, uh, I will, sure wasn't going to ask him this, but what went into going – with JRP John Rice Plumley over Corral, um, I got to ask that question today. I think on your on your board, and I'll just leave it at this: some things are b- better uh, left unaddressed. Yep, that's how I'll leave that. But yeah, I'll just leave it like that. There was a lot to it. A lot to it. Yep, it wasn't because of quarterback play. Is that yep. fair? Yeah. So, well, that's all I got, man. I'm going to get you out of here in one hour and 15 minutes today. How proud of you. And by the way, I said no F-bombs today. You did well. I just, I did not drop one F-bomb. And I'm getting you out of here in an hour and 15 minutes. I'm very proud of you. I told you. I'm coachable. I know. You just got to talk to me. Between me handling the technical stuff and you. I mean, I we're mean, growing as wow, human beings. we are. We are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, together, we're growing up together. We are. Uh, we will be back on Monday. I think next week we'll have a full week. We've got some weird stuff coming with. We have a tentative guest joining us Monday. That's right. Okay. I, I remember that. Okay. Tentative guest on Monday. In um, case we don't do a Thursday show. Yeah. And then after that, I'll be the Thursday of SEC tournament. I'll be in Nashville. Yep. Uh, then we'll figure something out. I'll be. We'll, we'll, we're week by week. We'll, we, we'll, we'll have some, we, we'll have some weird scheduling spring break and that kind of thing. Yep. You going out of town spring break? No, it's it's the it's the busy busy time yeah. for me. Um, we've been too. We've been slammed. I did four this week. I got three next week. And Carson and I are going down to New Orleans for a couple of days to see a couple yeah. of NBA games after the tournament. 
which all in all in New Orleans. Yeah, like back to back nights. Yeah, they got they got the Thunder on Saturday and the the uh, Blazers on Sunday. Gotcha. So we're going to those two games. Um, All right, so we'll be back on Monday. We'll maybe have a guest, and uh, if not, we'll catch up on what's going on in the uh, in the sports world. Not a lot of football, obviously, but there's a lot of football NFL talk that we probably should get to next week that we'll get to as well. So for Tyler, I'm Neil. Again, we're brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. It's uh, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. Thanks for being with us. Again, thanks to Rich Rodriguez from Jacksonville State for all of his time today on the show. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.